Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where an entitled Karen tries and fails to apply for a job. I live on a long, long hilly rural road. It has a 45 mile per hour speed limit and is a no passing zone the entire way. It's illegal, unsafe, and nearly impossible to pass someone no matter how slowly they're going. Because it's a quiet road and away from town, locals will normally drive 50 to 55 miles per hour. This was fine, until police started setting speed traps. Because the road is so hilly, it's easy to accidentally go 55 miles per hour when going downhill. This is how they got me and a lot of my neighbors. Okay, fine, it is technically speeding. But I leave work around the time the cops start heading back home, so I either see them fly ahead of me at 60 miles per hour or tailgate me the entire way home. It pisses me off. So I started driving the speed limit. Exactly the speed limit. 45 miles per hour down the entire stretch of road. When we come to those sharp turns, I go all the way down to the 20 miles per hour suggested speed. Almost every night, a cop gets stuck behind me the entire way, and there's no way for them to pass me. They also can't turn on another road because all the others are just gravel back roads that lead to farms. My long, long hilly road is their only route. It definitely pisses them off. They'll turn their brights on and weave around their lane to try and get me to speed up. As soon as I turn onto my driveway, they gun it. I've even had one turn his lights on to make me pull over, only for him to speed past me and drive ahead. It's probably not smart to inconvenience a cop, but what else am I supposed to do? I'm just respecting the speed limit. Our next Reddit post is from SpiralMX. I took a biology class my sophomore year in high school and my teacher was pretty cool. She was laid back, funny, and didn't have your typical teacher vibe. She'd set up a curse jar in the room and the funds were used to pay for supplies. 25 cents if you swore, but $1 if you dropped an F-bomb. One day, we were doing some group work and tables, the ones with buns and burners in the sink in the middle. Behind me was a kid that was particularly annoying and pretty talkative. Patrick was probably the type of kid who later went on to cure cancer or create Minecraft. Smart kid, but he was basically a 17-year-old Martin from The Simpsons. Anywho, we're all trying to do our work, and Patrick is getting on my nerves. He keeps making loud, bad jokes and poking his head in on our project, telling us what we're doing wrong. I asked him twice to just worry about his own table, but the third time, I lost it. I walked up to the front of the class, pulled out my wallet, grabbed one dollar, and put it on the teacher's desk. Turned around and said quite loudly, Patrick, shut the f*** up! I walked back to my table and sat down. The entire class was silent and was staring at me and then the teacher. She looked down at the dollar bill on her desk and started laughing out loud. The rest of the class joined in and Patrick shrunk into his seat. The teacher then said, Well, he paid his dollar. And that's the story of how I told a kid to STFU in class without getting into trouble. Our next Reddit post is from Sumo Ninja. Let's call her Karen, just because it fits. She came in and applied for a job, and when I looked at her resume and application, I realized she knew some of my old neighborhood friends and schoolmates. She interviewed well, so I gave her a job, told her to be in Monday at 9am. Monday morning, she's not in. She no calls, no shows. Tuesday, no call, no show. I'd now written her off. Wednesday, she shows up about noon. Claims she was in her basement Sunday night and her brother was working out and he accidentally knocked her out during his intense workout. She claimed her doctor told her she had a concussion and she should stay home for a couple days. 
She had no doctor's note, no marks on her head, but thinking her story was so off the wall it could almost be true, I let her come to work the next day. She worked Thursday and Friday. We paid at the end of every week, and I gave her a check Friday. I also did not deduct the day she missed. She came to me and asked about the full paycheck. I told her we were a family business and realized people had lives outside work. We tried to make sure people knew they were appreciated and tried to take care of our people. She teared up and thanked me and said we could count on her. She worked the next full week, did okay. She seemed to fit in. Seemed. The third week, she showed up Monday, but Tuesday was another no-show, no-call. We didn't hear from her for over two weeks. When she finally showed up, her story was the stuff of legends. She claimed her husband had forged divorce papers a couple years previous. Thinking she was divorced, she moved back into her parents' house. She claimed her ex-husband was at her parents' house when she got home the last night she worked. He told her he made up the divorce and the paperwork was phony, so they were still married and wanted to get back together. She claimed she refused and he kidnapped her. She said it took her until a couple of days ago to get away from him. She wanted to come into work the next day. She didn't call the police and he wasn't arrested. There was nothing in the paper or the news about any of this. She wasn't hurt, thank God. She asked if I believed her. I did not, but told her that I really needed someone I could count on coming in reliably every day. I gave her a paycheck for one week. She'd worked one day and told her I wished her good luck. I'd already replaced her and her replacement was one of the best employees we ever had. Here's the malicious compliance. The next month, I come into a phone message from someone at a company who had called for a reference for Karen. As my secretary is handing me the message, she's laughing at the look on my face. I asked if she was kidding. She said she was not. She said she got a call from a man saying he was the owner of a company in the area and he asked about Karen. Then, my secretary asked if she could listen in on the call. She was a pistol. She then goes and gets my partner and tells him I'm going to call and give Karen a reference. Now, he's in my office laughing too. I call the guy and we make some small talk. I tell him what we do and he tells me what he wants Karen to do for him. I tactfully avoided answering any of the questions about Karen directly. I think he was beginning to suspect something. Remember folks, employers can get in a ton of trouble for bad references. He finally asked my opinion of Karen and what I said was, If you can get Karen to work for you, you will be very lucky. He heard what I said and how I said it. He repeated that back to me exactly as I said it. All my words were the right ones. It was my tone and intonation that got my point across. He thanked me and hung up. Karen comes into my office a couple days later. She looks mad, but is trying to be pleasant. She told me she's having trouble finding a job and mentioned she's used me as a reference. She wanted to know if anyone from a certain company has called me. She knew they did. She told me she really wanted the job at Company X. I told her that I'd been called and that I told the guy he'd be lucky to get her to work for him. My secretary confirmed that's what I told him. She told her she was right next to me during the whole conversation. Karen smiled and thanked me and headed for the door. She said she wondered why she was having so much trouble getting a job. She asked if she could continue to use me for a reference and I told her absolutely. I also told her that I'd tell everyone the same thing, that any employer would be lucky if they can get you to work for them. She walked away smiling, happy, and clueless.
So I'd never heard before that companies can get in trouble for giving out a bad reference, so I looked it up. And apparently, if you give a bad reference and the person doesn't get a job, you could potentially be liable for defamation. So down in the comments, here's how some people have handled references. Minector says, I once had a boss feel to call about an ex-coworker of mine. His side of the conversation sounded like this. Yes, yes, he worked here. Now, before you start asking questions, I want to tell you that we have a policy about not saying anything negative about previous employees. That's all I have to say about so-and-so. And then Kaladi Ola says, I knew an HR manager at my old job who, when asked for a reference for a bad ex-employee, would answer every question with, so-and-so was with us from 2000 blank to 2000 blank. Was he a good worker? So-and-so was with us from 2000 blank to 2000 blank. Any problems with other staff? So-and-so was with us from 2000 blank to 2000 blank. Usually, the caller got the idea pretty quickly. Our next Reddit post is from Heya. This happened before I graduated college. I was working a part-time housekeeping job for a doctor's office after closing. The most annoying thing was the blatant disregard for the people who worked there. In particular, the women at the front portions of the office would throw trash everywhere and not put it in the can. Under their desk, the floor would be covered in trash right around the trash can. And most of the time, I wouldn't even have to change the garbage bag, just dump the very few pieces that managed to get in the can and then literally crawl around under the desk on my hands and knees, picking up all their garbage. I'm talking paper thrown everywhere, old folders they'd clean out from closets, candy wrappers, tuna cans, you're eating tuna in an office, and thousands of peanut shells. To name a few, they just didn't care. The amount of lazy you have to be to throw garbage right beside the can and not in it astounds me. I never complained to anyone about it because even though it pissed me off, I figured it was less effort to just pick it up. That is, until I got a note. A very passive-aggressive note from a particularly messy woman, letting me know I threw her calendar away and why would I ever do such a thing? Then, OP posts a picture of the note. And for those listening and not watching the video, this lady highlighted the note in a very obnoxious way, so I'll do my best to copy her style. So, I left an unopened, still in the plastic calendar beside my trash can yesterday. Why would you throw it away if it isn't in my can? Please don't touch it. Thanks. <laughs> One. The calendar was propped up against her garbage can. That's usually the universal sign of, hey, this needs to be thrown away, and they threw stuff like that away all the time. Why put it there if it isn't trash? Two, there's so much garbage under your desk every single night, how am I supposed to know when something isn't trash? Three, it isn't my job to determine what is and what isn't to be thrown away. It was my bad that I threw the calendar away because I didn't pay attention to the dates or anything on it. Like I said, there's always garbage everywhere, but when I got this note, I was pissed. The nerve after I spend so much unnecessary time cleaning up garbage that you can't be bothered to actually put in your trash cans because you're too lazy? Fine. If it's not in my can, don't touch it. You got it. I won't touch anything that isn't in your garbage can. I left everything that was on the floor exactly where it was and just changed the bags. Needless to say, she didn't like that and complained to my supervisor. My response was, but I was just doing exactly what she told me to do, shrug. 
My petty self was pleased. Then, my supervisor told the office manager that if they wanted their trash taken out, then they were to put it in the trash can. Otherwise, nothing would be thrown away, with the exception of boxes labeled trash that were too big for cans. Down in the comments, Dishy sums up my thoughts about this entitled Karen pretty nicely. Okay, I'm just picturing her pulling out all her different highlighters to circle and underscore stuff. And God, just plain F this entitled bitch. Then Dwickdom says, she spent more effort on the note than she did on actually using the trash can. Our next Reddit post is from Heterochromia Cat. I've been living in Japan for a little over two years with my husband. He was born here and we decided to move to his hometown. It's a small city, but there's enough to do without getting bored. I describe us as an Asian man-white female couple. It's not so common in Western countries, and it can feel like we're some rare shiny Pokemon in rural Japan. Lots of staring, occasional secret pictures, or even small chats if an old lady is brave enough to approach us. It can feel uncomfortable eating at a restaurant because kids will turn around in their seat and stare at us the whole time with an open fish mouth. Coincidentally, there's a small U.S. military base located in the city. The closer you are to downtown, the more American families you see. I'm constantly mistaken for being military by American and Japanese, which is understandable. Besides myself, I only know five other interracial marriages here. It's always locals who ask about my American husband when I'm out alone, which I respond in Japanese. Watashi no ato wa nihonjin desu, koko ni sunde imasu, which translates very roughly to, my husband is Japanese and I live here, or something along those lines. Americans never ask about my marriage, as they assume my spouse is American. When we're together in public, we do abnormal couple behavior such as holding hands. No, couples rarely hold hands in public, let alone say I love you in Japan. We don't go downtown too often since it's all paid to park and it's a nightmare to find a place. It was a beautiful warm day for the first time in months, but we decided to battle for a spot and walk around the shops. The crowd was heavy since the weather was great and winter was ending. The season for new American families to move here just finished, so I'm sure this was many people's first time to leisurely walk and shop outside. We find a parking spot and made our way to the outside shops. Of course, we're holding hands and casually talking and laughing. Wow! I hear this from an American woman about 10 feet behind us. You should know that a Japanese stereotype against Americans is that we're rudely and obnoxiously loud. And this, wow, was loud enough for me to turn my head around at the noise. She was with two other moms who had like three kids each. They were staring at me, but perhaps we just accidentally had eye contact at the right time. Seriously, another little homewrecker is doing this in public? Chill, woman. You're so loud even I can hear you. We find a table nearby at the Starbucks outside. We're enjoying our drinks when the same group of women approached us with their strollers in tow. They definitely had some sort of purpose with something to say to us. Let's call her Anna, which means woman in Japanese. Excuse me, but you need to keep whatever you're doing in your messed up home. Doing that in public in front of families to see is disgusting and immoral. My kids don't need to see such a bad display of marriage. I am so confused, as was my husband who can speak English. Who knew drinking coffee outside was a crime against humanity and marriage? I am sorry. What did we do? You know exactly what you're doing. She points to my wedding ring. No, I don't. Good lord, does your husband know about this? Is he on a ship right now? That's so like a dependipotamus. 
Her friends laugh. In case you don't speak military, a dependopotamus is slang for a military wife who stays at home all day, doesn't clean, uses their spouse as an ATM, and looks like Jabba the Hutt. It dawns on me. She thinks I'm a military spouse and I'm cheating on my American husband. I started laughing because she's suggesting I'm cheating on my husband with my husband. This is my spouse. I'm actually not part of the military community and have a Japanese visa. The woman looks my significant other up and down. The two women behind her apologize, but the Anna didn't believe it. No one would voluntarily want to live in this little town. Nice lie, but you're not representing the military community. You make all of us wives look like whores. Who is your husband and what's his rank? Also, I need your dependent ID. My husband is a high rank, so he'll make sure your husband is aware of your infidelity. She pulls out her phone to probably type my response. I'm offended since this is actually a nice place to live and very open to foreigners. Look, my husband's name is blank and he's sitting right here. I'm not going to show you my military ID since I don't have one and you're not the police. As proof, you can obviously see our wedding bands match and here's a picture. I show her my phone screen, which is of us in traditional Japanese clothes on our wedding day. Her eyes became huge at the picture. Her two friends and their spawn have already started walking away. Why are you in a relationship with him? You should be in a normal relationship and start having a family with American kids. She says some other statements, which I'd consider racist against the Asian race. It's so ironic because we're in Japan and she's fussing about me being married to a Japanese man. My husband has been quiet throughout the whole exchange and says to me we should go. I agree and sit up. Stop. The things you're saying are extremely offensive. I was part of the military community myself years ago and what you're doing is against spousal conduct. She smirked. Go ahead and tell people what I did then. My high-ranking husband is an E7. And everything will be swept under the rug no matter what happens. You can't touch me. So that's what I did. Note, this is a small military community. Someone does something minor and is talked about between wives like chickens. Later that day, I run into my friend who works on the base and she's well known in the community for being one of the main event coordinators. I don't miss this chance to comply with Ona's demands and explain to my friend about the exchange and how it made my husband extremely uncomfortable with her remarks. She asked me if this person looked like so-and-so, which I said yes. My friend rolls her eyes. She just arrived a couple months ago and is already causing problems with rumors and drama. Looks like we have a racist too. I'll make sure what she said is passed on. It's been half a year later and I didn't hear anything about Anna again since I distanced myself from making military friends here. I've only been in my new city for a little over two years and experienced more drama from military families than I have my whole high school career. That is, until now. Last week, I ran into my friend who's getting ready to move back to the United States. We had a little discussion about her moving and my family planning and dropped a bombshell. Do you remember Anna who accused you of cheating on your non-existent military spouse and called your husband a racist name? Of course, I haven't heard anything from her since. Well, I mentioned we were already having problems with her not long after she got here. I told my boss that there's a person who was bothering and threatening civilians and asking for IDs which isn't allowed for someone with her status. 
My boss was extremely interested after I mentioned her name because Anna was scheduled for an interview in my department. I suggested we look at her social media accounts from her past behavior because we don't tolerate racism. It was easy to find her Twitter and Facebook, particularly Facebook since we have many mutual friends. Her social network service was shocking. While she set her Facebook to private, her Twitter was littered with malicious tweets and retweets. This included racist slang for many nationalities, colorful language, and using her husband's military rank to bully others. She made it very clear that she wants to see her current city burn to the ground. And why would anyone want to learn Japanese since it sounds terrible? We printed some of the more extreme things she posted and we still invited her to the interview. Oh, and did I mention my boss is Japanese? So she comes into the interview which I was a part of. I asked for three good things about her and she said, I'm dependent, I get things done, and I'm friendly. My boss just looked at her for a second before he pulled out her tweets and asked her to explain how she can friendly serve the local community if she hates it so much. Anna was floored and said someone hacked into her account, despite there being at least three years of slanderous tweets. We thanked her for coming and said we can't accept an employee with this conduct. As far as I know, she's still not working because some spouses found her Twitter not long after the interview and was shared in all departments. No one will touch her application now. So all of this was because I told you about her accusations? Yes. Oh, and she's kind of an outcast socially right now because she cheated on her husband a couple months ago. There you have it, folks. Because one person couldn't mind their own business, they lost a potential job and had their social media exposed. Super ironic, since she became the dependent potamus and adulterer, the same thing she was accusing me of. That was r slash malicious compliance, and this is r slash puppy bloopers. Karen smiled and... <laughs> what the dog? What is that? Karen smiled and thanked me and... Karen smiled and thanked me and headed to the door. Doggy. Come on, man. I'm trying to record here. Your wagging tail is beating against the wall. Karen smiled. Karen. <laughs>